genuineness and authenticity, those aren't, you know, they're not stuck to the church. They're not married to the church. Uh, those things you can find in the world as well. And so it's important for us, you know, if we're going to be preaching the gospel, we've got to be pointing people back to Jesus. Wow, that's good. That's good. So kind of evolving the topic here, um, as we talk about evangelism and what that looks like, uh, since we've been part of many different churches for decades, Mm -hmm. really, um, there have been a lot of different types of evangelism methods done by the church. Um, And and maybe when I want to kind of go through some of them, because not to poke fun, but just to kind of examine the good, the bad, the why in the world would you do this type right. <laughs> things. Um, some of you listening may have never experienced any of these evangelism methods, um, but I, I kind of want to go through some. Mm-hmm. I wrote some down, and I'm sure you're, you're thinking of some already too because we kind of talked about this. But um, when it comes to evangelism uh, as a form of, ministry within a church uh over the years there have been a lot of different styles there's been a lot of different methods yeah um and they've kind of evolved over time but um one of the earliest uh things that i can remember as a child um was handing out tracks mm-hmm. you know yep um and there's nothing wrong with handing out tracks uh they are basically a tool for presenting the gospel mm-hmm. on the go. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, if I don't feel like I'm equipped or prepared to have a conversation with someone and make sure I hit all the main points of the gospel, um, or in, in school we were taught the Roman, Roman road, um, which just goes through the book of Romans. It kind of talks about everyone's a sinner and they need a savior. Right. And, and, you know, um, so it kind of goes through the steps. Um Tracks oftentimes do that, mm-hmm. um, but there are some tracks out there that are a little scary, um, and I've handed out some of those mm-hmm. little scary ones. Yeah, uh, and you know, I I can remember um, a, as a young child uh, not being allowed to celebrate Halloween, mm. uh, so we just handed out candy and tracks. Mm-hmm. That's what we did: right. candy and tracks. Um, it was good that we gave candy as well because I feel like our house would have definitely been egged. Um, if we were just handing out tracks yeah. and, and no candy. You gave out sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus, yeah. Candy and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect combination. There you go. Um, so, you know, tracks was was a big one uh, when I was younger. I haven't seen it as much, I would say, in the last decade, but I did receive a track one time as a server. Uh, when I was in college, I was a server um, because it was – what everybody did, you know, you try to make a little bit of money yep. so you can go buy some more ramen. Right. Um, but I was given what I thought was a tip and it looked like a hundred dollar bill. And man, I was so excited. I was like, I can pay my bills. I can actually eat something other than ramen. No, it was a track. Um, and I was a little offended by that. A little hurt by that. A little, um, a lot, a lot of bit. <laughs> there you go. Okay. A lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was devastated by that <laughs> of course. Uh, because I'm like, hold up now. I, I am a Christian. That so, was a jerk move. I, I'm, I'll yeah, say it. Like, I, I don't need this, but also, come on, man. Is that really what you're going to leave as a tip? I, I, I've, I could share stories for a long time about, um, about terrible tips, uh, but I digress in that. But so tracks is a big one. 
Um, one of the things I want to talk about with tracks, and we're kind of probably going to get into this a lot, but how effective are tracks really? Because if you hand someone a track, most of the time it tells them that they're a terrible person and they need to change their life. That's kind of what it says, um, especially the scary ones where they have like images of people burning. Mm. It's like, hey, this is going to be you. Mm-hmm. Nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. How effective could that possibly be? Yeah. Um, if that is the only method. Right. Right. If I've just handed somebody a track, you know, on Halloween and they leave and I never talk to that person again, how effective is that evangelism method? Because there's no follow up. There's no discussion. There's no uh being able to answer questions right. or being able to come from a position of, I'm telling you this in love, not right. out of judgment. Um, there's no, it doesn't allow for there to be any type of follow-up. Right. So how, I mean, as a person really going to read that and be like, wow, I don't want to burn. Okay. I'm saved. Probably not. It may be some, but you know, I have to think that the, the percentage is low for people who actually change their life after, receiving a piece of paper that says, Hey, you're going to burn for eternity. So what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, that's not the first time they've heard it. <laughs> if they're getting the track and they're seeing that on the track, they've trust me, they've heard that before. Um, and that's part of the problem. Um, and so listen, there's no wrong way to evangelize. So let's, let's just get that out there. We're talking about ways that are perhaps less effective. I mean, because, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, Dan, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I'm, I'm quite sure that, uh, a proper ratio would probably be two and three people have not shared their faith, their Christian faith with someone else. I'd say I'd say that's pretty accurate. Again, yeah. I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but but most of us don't share our faith. Right. We just don't. Um, and if we do. Uh, and, th- and here's the reason why I say that there's no wrong way uh, to kind of evangelize, because maybe you're the person who um, for you putting a track on, on somebody's windshield, <laughs> that's your way of sharing your faith. I believe that God honors that because he honors the posture of your heart. But even with that said, it's more effective for us to learn how to speak the gospel. Right. Right. Um, and, and to, but so, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Forgive me. I'm kind of getting ahead of <laughs> no, her. That's okay. I'm kind of getting ahead of us. But um, I don't think that's the most effective way to do it, you yeah. know, as they hand off that. Cause they've, again, they've already heard that. And so yeah. if anything, you might be, they might be further hardening their hearts to that. Cause it's like, I don't want to hear this. You know what I mean? Um, uh, So, again, it's not that we shouldn't do that, but it's not effective because to your point, you can't have a conversation with them. Um, And then and so there is this perception that the church is separate from the world. And it is okay. It, It definitely is separate. But what I mean by that is there's people that believe that the church is taking a position like we're holy and you're not. So we're better than you. And that's not the perception that the church should have. The church should not have that we're better than you. It's because what happened is, and we live in this very polarized society where everything is a you're on one side or not. Like, period. Like, you have to choose sides in the society that we live in, right? You, you, you vote for this candidate or you don't. You believe in, in this mantra or you don't. You believe in this group or you don't. You know, you support this, this group or you don't. Like, it's just period. And so a lot of people look at the church like that, and that's the opposite. The church is not against anyone. The church is always for. Right. If your church is teaching you to be against someone or to preach against a person, it's not teaching you correctly. We, we preach against sin, but we shouldn't be preaching against the person. So the track handing it out and people are all like on the back, like burning in flames and stuff. They've seen it. They've heard it. 
uh, and they're going to toss that right out. Right. They want to see what's different about this gospel, which we know to be the good news. What's the good news? Um, and we know that there can't be good news without bad news. Um, so it really comes down to, you know, what do what do we believe about right. the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of great points there. A lot of great points. Um, can you think of another like popular yeah. um, evangelist? What about the megaphone guy? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, what about the megaphone mm-hmm. guy? Or, you know, like, you know, we'll, we'll stand on the on the corner. You know, we have, a you know, the sign at the football games or the sign on the corner that says John 316, you know, or something of that nature. Um, or somebody just, you know, outside preaching, you know, with the megaphone again, is it wrong? No, not necessarily. Um, but that's just one phase, right? You know, how effective, you know, can that be, you know, um, if, and, and that's necessary, right? That's, that's, that's necessary. Cause again, I applaud anybody that's, that's spreading the gospel. Um, but we're talking about the church's role, you know, what is the church's role in, in doing this? And so again, um, your church probably isn't standing on the corner with the megaphone. All of you probably aren't. That might be one person. And I got I guarantee you, like most people, we consider that person to be the radical person. <laughs> that's that's the guy's house. You don't go over for dinner like you just don't go over that guy. I mean, because that's the crazy Christian. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, he's got the megaphone. You know, so we <laughs> we we in the church stay away from that. He, oh, he's too radical. Or he's too holy or he's too whatever. Um, and really, uh, that may or may not be the case. Um, but, um, you know, what do you think about like somebody that's just, you know, kind of standing out, you know, with a megaphone kind of, you know. Yeah, I just think um, and, and we're we've already kind of gotten there, so we might as well just dive into it. I think uh, as we examine all these, the point is there has to be more, mm. right? Um, and what can often happen is if you're standing there with a megaphone, it can seem like uh, for the people who are around that you are being judgmental and saying, I'm better than you. I need to scream in your face for you to become a better person, mm. right? And so uh, how effective can that be? But also it, it doesn't just, it shouldn't just stop with an initial conversation to really truly uh, meet people where they're at, like Jesus did. We got to sit down and talk with them yeah. one-on-one. You know what I mean? Like, and not, not with the agenda to save them, uh, but the agenda to get to know them, right? Like I have a desire to get to know you because you're my neighbor, you're my friend, you mm-hmm. know, whoever you might be. Um, and I think it's just the decent thing to do. And as you get to know someone and learn their truths, right? And as you get to know them and uh, develop that relationship with them, then, then you are able to speak into their life. Mm, yeah. And vice versa. They're yeah. able to speak into yours. Yeah. And maybe they would say, well, look, my experience with church has always been that I'm not good enough. And if I step foot in there, you know, I'm going to get struck by lightning. Mm. You know, and it's like, man... I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that your experience has made you believe this about the church. It's not real. Mm. This isn't the real gospel. And I want to share that with you. Right. But if I don't sit down and have that conversation with them, because like you said, they've probably heard it. Yeah. Um, If I haven't sat down and had that conversation with them and gotten to know them and them get to know me and understand my heart and where I'm coming from, they're just going to see it as judgmental. They're just right. going to see it as right. this person's just trying to tell me I need to be a better person. And the hardest thing about that too, is that if we come from a position like that mm. and the first thought in someone's mind is that they're just trying to tell me 
that I'm a terrible person. I need to be like them, mm. a perfect person. Right? Yeah. We will never live up to that standard. Right. We, we never can't. do. Pastors don't. No. You know, uh, uh, leaders and presidents of large Christian universities don't. Mm. Right. Because right. we are all humans and we right. make mistakes and we're not perfect. Right. And that's why, again, the focus should be on Jesus and not the church, right. not the church members, right. not the church leaders. Right. It should always be on Jesus. So, right. so standing with a megaphone, I think probably most of the time comes from a place of, I got to let the world know. Right. You know nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just think that the execution of it yeah. is probably not as effective as right. you want it to be. Right. And if you don't ever follow up and sit down and have a conversation with someone, I got to imagine it's hard for them to really have life change, you know, and if anything, it, it, um, it gives them ammunition for hating the church and, and hating God even more. Mm. Right. So that's, that's kind of what I think of. And, and it's kind of funny because, you know, uh, yeah, that person with the megaphone on the street corner is probably the radical, mm. you know, Christian of that church, a radical member of that church. But this is something that's been happening for a long time, mm-hmm. like hundreds of years. Mm. They didn't have a megaphone, but they would stand on their soapbox, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, they would right. stand in the middle of the street, and people would throw stuff at right. them, basically, yeah. um, because they were just trying to tell people about Jesus. And there should be, we should have a burning desire in our hearts to tell everyone about Jesus, right? Right. But if Jesus told people about himself by sitting down having dinner with them and meeting them where they're at, how much more should we be doing that? I mean, because it's not about us. It's about developing those relationships, meeting people where they are, loving them, and sharing the good news with them. Absolutely. And so whatever evangelism method we might choose, um, there always has to be more to that. Mm. And so I think another one um, that I've uh, experienced and also been part of many times has been like... Um, like service projects, mm. right? And for me, in my experience, in my background, in the churches that I went to, it often happened in inner city yeah. neighborhoods, in right? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of things that are problematic with that, right? There, there's a need for a lot of inner city neighborhoods for uh, you know something to be rebuilt. Sure. Uh, or for there to be food or sure. there to be an event or something like that for, sure. for children and kids to go to. Um, that is a positive thing for them to be a part of. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Mm. But in my experience, what often happens is the church gears up for, hey, next month, you know, on this particular Saturday, we're going to yeah. this neighborhood. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that neighborhood. Mm, yeah. You know, they need Jesus. Mm. First of all, we all need Jesus. Right. Uh but everybody gears up for it. Mm. We go, we do mm. this big blowout thing. There's games, there's food, there's the gospel, there's <laughs> music. It's awesome. We pack up, we go home, and we never, ever go back. We never, yeah. ever go back to that neighborhood, mm. to those people, mm. to those relationships. Mm. And so even if someone there made a decision to follow Jesus, we don't go back to help them on that journey. Right. And if they have no one to help them on that journey, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine it's easy right. for them to develop their faith and develop their walk with Jesus right. without that community around right. them. So 
it often, in my experience, um, I always wanted to do it. I was passionate about it. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to go. Right. And then there's just never, uh, in my heart and also in the leader's hearts, there's never a sense of urgency to continue these relationships and right. to be present in right. that community. Right. And I look back on that and I, f- I feel terrible. Right. Like, I should have done more. Right. You know, it's not just about going and doing that one thing. Right. Like I should have done more. Right. And I think oftentimes, um, in my experience with churches, it's almost like I've checked the box here. I can say that our church cares about inner city neighborhoods because I've checked the box and Mm. I did my part, Mm. but there's just, there's so much more. There there has to be more. There definitely has to be more. Um, you know, so, (laughs) And churches do this. And, and again, I'm, we're not bashing this. We're just talking about effective ways and what's the role of the church in, in, in discipleship and evangelism. Right. To, to your point, if we're going to neighborhoods where we wouldn't go in the houses in those neighborhoods. We probably weren't we probably weren't doing ministry. No, if we wouldn't invite the people in those neighborhoods into our own homes, we're not doing ministry That's because good. we're not vulnerable. Yeah. To share the gospel, you've got to make yourself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You've got to come down to the level in which, you know, you are able to speak to another person as a person. It's kind of like, you know, the question of, well, how do you how do you preach the gospel to a thug whose pants are sagging off their butts and, you know, they got gold chains on They're selling, you know, selling crack on the corner. You don't preach the gospel to a thug. You preach the gospel to a man because it's a man who needs the gospel. You, you know what I mean? Like it's a photo op for us. It's a feel good moment for us. Like you said, to check the boxes and go home and, and make it seem like, oh, we we did something today. We made such an impact today and we haven't. And and that's what scares me about Matthew seven is that there's so many of us that are doing these things. And God's like, I I did not really know you. You're saying you did this stuff in my name, but there was no love behind that. You did that. For your church, you did that for you to make you feel good, yeah. um, and that's the reason why we're failing at evangelism because the gospel isn't this the central part of it. Mm. We're the central part of it. Yep. That life of perfection is the central part of it. And so, you know, when we're going and we're doing, you know, these these you know inner city missions or wherever, right? First of all, why do we have to go that far? Of course they need Jesus, man. We live outside of Baltimore and, you know, we can drive, you know, 30 minutes and we're seeing crumbling infrastructure and, right. you know, all types of stuff. Horrible, right? But everywhere you're, we are, even in the in the nicer neighborhoods, um, you know, Jesus is needed there. Yeah. But it's not as big of a photo opportunity to do it, you know, in, mm. the, in the neighborhoods that don't look like they need Jesus. Right. Who looks like they need Jesus? Yeah. You know, and oftentimes we judge people again by what they look or the behaviors that we think we see from the outside and they're, oh, they need Jesus. Um, and if we're able to look at somebody and make those judgment calls of who needs Jesus, we're the ones that really need him more. Absolutely. Because everybody needs him. And how do you know who needs him until you open up your mouth and have a conversation with them and you sit down and you break bread? Mm. You don't. When Jesus sent out the 72, he sent them out to find a person of peace. They went and knocked on a door and asked to come in. And if they were allowed to come in, 
then they were able to have a conversation and they were able to spread the gospel about who Jesus really was and what the gospel really was about. Right. Um, so it's not about coming in, setting up games and, you know, setting up balloons and, you know, playing cornhole and then packing up, you know, your truck after you've given out, you know, X, X amount of, you know, shoes and <laughs> backpacks and all that. So look, it's, it's good. Awesome. Yeah. Do that. You know, but um, again, if you're going to be a part of a mission, you have to go in there and you have to be the church that says, you know what, we're going to establish a church here. We're going to take people from this neighborhood and we're going to create leaders out of them. Yes. Right. So that when we leave, if we're not still here and we end up leaving that we created leaders through ongoing relationship, through love, we were giving them the gospel so that they can continue to preach the gospel and continue the work that we started while we were here. If you're not doing that, you're fooling yourself. You're not doing missions. You're not doing ministry. You're doing foolishness. Yes. And sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I, I that's so good. I think um I think a lot of times uh the method of inner city service projects is almost like an overcorrection, mm. right? It's almost like well people view the church in a negative way. Yeah. We got to show them that we're doing good. Right. So I'm going to go to this neighborhood mm. that I've probably never been to and never go again. Like you said, I won't go in their house. Mm. I won't invite them to my home. Mm. But I can go there and they can see, oh, Christians are nice and they're helpful. And now that everything's solved from I can all tell you the what atrocities of the church. <laughs> and, and they're thinking, I don't need you to feel sorry for me. Right. Period. Like, because you're coming like, you know, like you're up here and, oh, I'm going to show pity on you. Yeah. You know, I'm going to come hand out some shoes, hand out some pencils, some notebooks, some, some backpacks and, you know, some food, do a food drive. We're going to give you some free hot dogs and some water. We're going to play some music and we're going to pack up and we're going to roll out. And they're like, all right, thanks for the free hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yep. you, but where was Jesus in that? Mm. You know, again, he, he, he wasn't he wasn't there because you didn't intend to bring Jesus. Yeah. You know, you intended to bring popularity for your church because I can guarantee you when you went out there, you know, you came as a team. You came with your church shirts on, with the logos on it, you know, like everybody's blue T-shirt, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and look, I'm not I'm not knocking it. Do what you do. But if you take more pictures than you have more conversations about Jesus, you're not doing what you think you're doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And it's. It's sad because, again, with, with the other two that we talked about, now three, they all have great intentions, right? But I think we often have to take a step back and say, are my intentions really that great? Mm. And how do I execute this in the, the most positive way? Yeah. First of all, our intentions are always bad. Let's just start with that. As good as we think they are, they're always bad because we're sinful. So that means even when we spread the gospel, we're doing it sinfully or in a, out of a sinful vessel, I should say. Yeah. We have to ask Jesus, what's the best method? What do I say in this situation? Because every discipleship or evangelism um, mission is going to look, sound and feel different. Right. Right. Um, based on, you know, what's happening. So you, you have to ask God, what do I say? What do I do? You know, how do I present you? You know what I mean? Um, and, and and so, again, you know, if we're not taking all those things into account, we're going to be ineffective anyway, because our intentions are not going to be as pure as we think they are. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, another one I can think of uh, that I haven't really seen a whole lot um, more recently, other than in specific denominations, hmm. would be uh, door knocking. Mm-hmm. Right. And I yeah. remember doing that as well. Uh 
growing up and I, I did that. Um, I think again, this is kind of cool because you're meeting people where they are, right? Like, yeah. So the intention is I'm going to come to you. Sure. And you know, hopefully you'll invite me in and we can have a conversation sure. or hopefully you'll come, you know, sit out on the porch and we can have a conversation, but sure. maybe not. And I think the intention is good, but ultimately a lot of times you're showing up unannounced to someone's house. They're in the middle of something. They're in the middle of dinner. You know, they just got home from work or they're watching their favorite TV show, you know, especially back in the day before DVR and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like you missed it. You missed it. Sorry. You know, sure. someone has got to tell you what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, I have to think that the reception isn't always a welcoming reception mm. in those types of methods. And I know this because even as, uh, an evangelical Christian, um, when uh, someone like a Jehovah's Witness comes to my door, yeah, uh, in the past I've always just been like, you know, turn off the lights <laughs> and hide. Right. No one's home. Right. <laughs> you no, know, I'm not going to open the door. Um, more recently, I actually had many conversations with them as they came to my door. When mm. we first moved to this house, mm-hmm. um, uh, these two gentlemen came uh, every week. Mm. They came every week on a Monday. All right. And we had good conversations. Right. Uh, we talked about God, and I told them, you know, well, this is what I believe. And they said, this is what I believe. We compared, and we had debates, and it was never like a hostile thing. You right. Know, it was, uh, you know, I appreciate your perspective, and I right. appreciate where you're coming from. Right. Um, and ultimately, after I think maybe the, it was probably maybe the eighth time, um, I said, um, so so listen, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I've been a Christian for a long time. I right. love Jesus. Right. I know I'm going to heaven. Right. Um, if you want to spend time going somewhere else, I understand. Mm. I don't want to waste your time. Right. Because you're not going to convert me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's pretty clear I'm probably not going to convert you. Right. And I'm okay with that. Right. Um, but yeah, if you want to spend time going to someone else's house, I totally understand. Just want to be upfront with you. And right. They, they said thank you and they haven't come back, mm. you know. But I, I have to think a lot of people, um, you know, you have someone come to your door, you're not really receptive. You're like, come on. What, yeah. What are you trying to sell? Right. Right. So it seems like what are you trying to sell? Mm. Uh, what's too good to be true? That's you a know? whole nother podcast, <laughs> man. Is. What is the church selling? Stay tuned Ooh, for wee. that one. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned for that one. But, you know, um, again, great intentions that you're going to meet someone where they're at and you're you're prepared. You've, you've prepared yourself to have a conversation. Yeah. Which needs to happen. But I have to think that oftentimes not a lot of change happens with door to door because there's almost like a, I'm turning you away before you even say a word because I don't want to be bothered right now. Mm. You know what I mean? So like how effective could that really be? Mm. That varies. I mean, like, listen, shout out to the J dubs, right? You know, cause I mean, that is probably the most effective of the previous three that we discussed. Right. Um, but in today's day and age where, um, you know, (laughs) <laughs> we're just leery of anybody coming to our door for any reason unannounced, unless he's got an Amazon package. <laughs> we're like, we're, we're probably not going to open the door. And, and, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about with intentions. I've opened the door and had conversations with Jehovah's witnesses, yeah. you know, with, but check out what my intentions were. My intentions were to, um, to battle with them. Yeah. <laughs> I like I got biblical knowledge. Yep. Like, oh, you knocked on the wrong door yep. today, buddy. You know, like that was how I opened the door when I would open the door and engage conversations with them. Like, and and looking back on that, I'm convicted now because that was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Because I wielded my biblical knowledge like I that was that was out of pride. Yes. Mm. 
And that's what I'm saying. We're missing the mark with this evangelism and discipleship thing. That was about me when I opened the door. Right. Yeah, I was talking about Jesus, but I was talking about Jesus because I wanted to, to, to present, present myself and position myself as the person to say, OK, you think you know something like I'm going to hit you with with word to refute the word that you're trying to hit me with. Yeah, I'm going to show you why your scriptures are wrong and so on. And so it wasn't out of love. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily that I was trying to point them to Jesus. It was right. that I was trying to say, I don't need what you're selling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what a lot of us do. We're not doing this for Jesus. And I know we think that we are because we're throwing his name out there and we got Jesus vibes. We got Jesus bumper stickers. But at the end of the day, are we really doing this for him or are we doing this for ourselves? So getting back to knocking on the doors. Yeah, man, that's great. If you've got a plan to follow up with that. Yeah. If that person lets you in, have a conversation about Jesus, not about your church, Mm -hmm. not about a church, but the church. You know, because nowadays that's probably very ineffective. You know, yeah. we 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 type we type our thoughts out now. We're on Facebook mm-hmm. now. We're sharing messages and stuff now. You know, we're forwarding messages and stuff now. So some of these you know things that we're talking about are very antiquated. Yeah, uh, doesn't mean that they can't work. They absolutely can, but they're probably uh, ineffective. And again, the people that are doing it are probably the radical people in your church. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very true. And that's a whole other topic we can get into as well um, about, you know, the social media presence um, that we're all we're all guilty of. Yeah. Me most recently am guilty of. Um, If you're my friend, you've probably saw my posts uh, that came from a place of um, love, I think, and wanting to see reform, uh, but was uh, very misunderstood and and Mm. caused a lot of. Uh, hurtful words and things that were said. And so I'm Mm. learning, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a long way to go. Uh, But it, you know, again, we could, we can get to that topic a whole other time. So that's a, that's a long, long topic. But, you know, as we, as we talk about these things, I, I'm hoping that what it's doing is not only is it reforming your perspective, right? Because that's the point. Right. But I'm hoping that it, it encourages you to have meaningful conversations with people yeah, um, about Jesus, right? Not about church, um, not about religion, but about Jesus. I hope that it encourages you to do that, and I hope it encourages you to take a look at maybe some of the methods that you choose to do, um, whether you are a, in church leadership or you're just a church member and you have your own evangelism methods. I, I'm hoping that it, it causes you to think about what are my intentions behind this, right? Yeah. Are they godly? Mm. And is this as effective? Because everything should be tweaked and made better when it comes to our methods, right? right? We should look and say, oh, this isn't working. Mm. You know, if businesses do this, how much more should the church do this mm. as we, you know, try to go out and share the gospel you know, of Jesus? We, right. should, we should evaluate our methods and make adjustments as necessary. So I'm hoping this encourages you to kind of take a step back and say, is this as effective as it could be? Right. You know, um, am I really, you know, helping people in this? Um, and so I think when it, when it comes to the church, again, church is good. It should be uh, a positive place. Um, it should foster community um, because, you know, real positive change, it happens in community. Yeah. And, and that requires us getting to know, someone and getting to know their truths. Mm. If we don't do that, um, change could happen, but 
will we ever see that change? Mm. Will we ever really help someone, Mm. you know, who's struggling with someone without that community? And community is not hard. Mm. It's not. No, it's not. If we think about it, we have our own little friend groups and communities that, you know, we spark on our own. But I mean, how hard is it to to sit down with someone and, and develop that community? That's what we should be doing. That is what we should be doing. And here's the thing is we can pick and choose who we let into our community because we have sub communities within our community of people. Right. Some people we're cool with just because they think like we do. And what that really means is that you're not really as mature as you think you are. If you don't have anybody in your social group, friend group, family that you hang out with that doesn't have a different perspective than you at some point. I'm not saying be argumentative over it, but you should be willing to listen to another person's perspective, because if not, you don't have the complete picture and you're not getting the complete picture. Uh, And therefore, it's very difficult to have the heart of Christ. Right. Because if Jesus came to our house and he knocked on the door like a J-dub or whatever, or he used any of these other methods and we knew that was Jesus and we said we were Christians, we'd probably listen to him. Because we're claiming to be Christians and that's the right thing to do, right? Oh, that's Jesus. Jesus is talking. That makes it different from the other guy that's doing that. Um, And so we'd probably listen to what he had to say. But would we continue to listen if he started saying things that were pulling the skeletons out of our closets? Because that's what the Bible does, right? Um, And the thing with with all of these things, Dan, and you brought it up earlier, um, is most of the time it – starts off with a negative tone that shuts people off before they can even start listening to what we have to say about Jesus or about anything else that we're passionate with. Um, And (laughs) I'm going to tell this story and I'm I'm sure you've heard it before, Dan, but I'm going to share it for the podcast. And it's a story about my son. Uh, And, you know, he's he's 15 years old now. He's not quite as tall as me, but he's getting up there. He's still a scrawny guy. So he's not the alpha male. Deuce, I'll still take you out. Um, (laughs) Hopefully you don't get too mad about this story. But the problem with um, with our approach is that, again, first of all, it has to be in love. So with this story, I promise it's more about me than it is about my son. But um, Deuce was going to a school and they had pace books and, uh, you know, he wasn't doing his work. He just was not doing his work at all. You know, and particularly like in his math pace book, he, you know, he just wasn't doing it. So I was getting emails, phone calls from the teacher. They're like, oh, Marcellus isn't doing what he's, what he's supposed to be doing. So I'm like, OK, OK. Uh, and I'm going to him and I'm having, you know, two, three sidebar conversations with him. Son, I need you to get that work done. You know, and I'm, you know, fist bumping him and stuff because I'm thinking, you know, I'm having this conversation with him. He's going to get it done. Um, and I'm still getting emails. He's not doing it. He's not doing it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, let me just check. So, um, I get his pace book and I counted out literally about 46 problems that he had not done in this pace book. <sighs> 46. I am livid. Like I'm talking about, you know, smoke coming out of my ears, mad. This dude wasn't going to, you know, no Xbox, no TV, no, you know, iPhone was my phone, you know, at this point, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't going to get anything. And, you know, I'm, I'm about to roundhouse dropkick this guy, you know, <laughs> matrix style. Uh, I mean, I was, I was hot. <laughs> and, and in that moment, God said to me something so profound. He said, you cannot discipline who you don't first disciple. Mm. And, uh, and I think I think Jesus dropped the mic at that point and just kind of exited <laughs> stage left because I was just <laughs> I was standing there like, yo, 
<laughs> I, like you mean I can't roundhouse drop this this kid because like I was practicing my like Neo and Morpheus moves like in the mirror because I was <laughs> he was going down. But the, God's point to me, and that's what I'm saying. Like when you're part of the body of Christ and you're reading your word and you really are looking to reform your perspective, not to your own, but to the perspective of Christ. God talks to you this way. Yeah. He checks you often. Uh, and he checked me that day. And I'm like, yo, I want to essentially I want to go give this dude the gospel. My son, the God, here's the gospel. The good news is you're not going to die today, even though you probably deserve to for not doing these 46 <laughs> problems after you told me you did three times. That's a heavy but the, punishment. The good news. Well, you know how you feel. You're like, I'm about yeah. to like I was literally about to like Homer Bart Simpson, this dude where he's like <laughs> strangling Bart. <laughs> That's what I felt like yeah. in my mind. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't do it in real life. But I mean, I was to that point where I was upset because he had told me three different times. Yeah, Dad, I'm doing it. Dad, I'm doing it. Dad, I'm doing it. Um, but Jesus, instead of allowing me to correct my son in the manner that I wanted to correct him, Jesus corrected me. You can't discipline who you don't first disciple. And what that meant was you spend so much time, Marcellus, trying to make Deuce follow the rules, trying to make him be a quote unquote good son or good Christian. Like the church tries to make people be good Christians or you try to be a good Christian yourself in the church. And we haven't been discipled by the church or by our neighbors or by whoever else. The only Jesus we're getting is on Sundays. Ouch. Yeah. Right. Because the church is a place we go to, not a community that we're a part of. Right. In, in, in many cases. Um, but Jesus was telling me in that moment, if you haven't sat down and you haven't loved on him, you haven't spent the time with him um, to teach him why these 46 problems are not about the problems. It's about his heart's posture towards doing those problems. And if he's not convicted by telling you, um, you know, that. He did this work knowing that he actually didn't do it. That's a heart issue. Right. And that's a discipleship issue, because if you told him about me, he'd be convicted about not doing those problems and then turning around and being less than truthful with you in saying that he did. Right. Hmm. I wanted to get on him about not doing his job. God got on me about not doing mine. Hmm. Hmm. I wanted to turn invisible <laughs> <laughs> at that moment. But the church needs to hear this message. Yeah. We cannot judge or condemn um, without first discipling. Yeah. And it starts with going into people's homes. It doesn't start with us posting something for somebody to see. Vote for this candidate. Go to this church. Think this way. Think that way. Do this. Do that. You know, go by this. That's that's trying to discipline or correct without the proper relationship. Right. Dan, if you were to tell me something today that I didn't want to hear, would it hurt my feelings? Probably. But I would accept it because we're brothers. Yeah. I've spent enough time with you where I'm like, all right, well, he didn't mean that maliciously. He's just like, dude, you, you can't get in that car if you're drunk. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I'm like, oh, OK. You know, uh, I understand what he's trying to say. Right. Because that's my brother. And he meant that in love, because if I go and I do something, um, I can hurt myself or hurt somebody else. So I'd rather my brother tell me that in love and correct me and rebuke me, yeah. you know, than me go out and cause more damage. Yeah. But it's based on that relationship. And so if, if we people, individual people that make up the church aren't having relationships and conversations with other people that we're inviting to this church, 
we're not doing our job. That's everybody's job. Yes. Right. The shepherd doesn't lay down with the sheep and make more sheep. The sheep get with sheep and make more sheep. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, I mean, that's just basic principle. And yeah. so um, we hope again, um, you know, like Dan, like you just said, is that, you know, we're, we're, we're asking God, how do we be effective at building your kingdom and not our own? Yeah. And that's a heavy question, but we should, we should be asking ourselves that, you know, how, how are we being effective in building the kingdom of God? Because that's the point, mm. you know, um, it's not about us. It's about him and we have to keep it that way. And so I encourage you if, um, if you are a part of a church, uh, seek to reform some of the ways that aren't healthy in the methods of not just evangelism, but in how the, your church perceives their role in a person's salvation. And if you're not in a church, um, I encourage you to find a church that has that mentality yeah, or start one with that mentality. Mm. Um, I encourage you to do that. I I hope that this doesn't deter anyone from going to church, but we just need to be held to a higher standard. Absolutely. That's just the reality. Um, And so it's not easy to hear these things and it's uncomfortable, um, but we need to be held to a higher standard. Jesus is the point. Mm. That's what we need to preach. Yes. He's the point, and everything else follows. But um, I, I hope this encourages you to have conversations. Um, we look forward to doing uh, the next episode. We, we haven't figured that out yet, but we talked about a lot of things tonight that I think will kind of lead us in that direction. So, um, again, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend, uh, tell a family member, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, please feel free to email yes. us if you have questions, complaints, comments, yes. statistics. Um, fan art. I don't think, I don't think we're at that level yet, but sure. Go ahead. Um, our email address is the reform perspective pod. That's P O D not the band, but short for podcast at gmail.com. So the reform perspective pod at gmail.com. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you and your thoughts and, uh, yeah, catch us next time. Thanks everybody. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Reformed Perspective with Marcellus Howard and Dan Hendrickson. Music by The Revived. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook.